Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the Court. My name is David Berari. I represent the appellant, James Rutledge. Uh, we ask today that you reverse the order adopting the report and recommendation and denying Rutledge's motion to suppress. It's our contention that under an objective analysis of the facts and the law, there was no reasonable suspicion or probable cause to initiate a traffic stop here. There was no perceived violation, nor is there a reasonable conclusion that there may have been a traffic violation. In other words, the traffic stop was illegal, and the evidence and statements obtained as a result of that stop should be suppressed as fruits of the poisonous tree. I believe it's most helpful to consider or review the uh, map, the Google map that's in the record at addendum 30, which gives a map of this intersection, as well as South Dakota codified law 3229.2.1, which is throughout the record, but addendum 24 has a copy from the district court's ruling. Uh, when we look at those two things together, we will show that there is no objective basis to believe that a violation occurred. You argue that, that the rolling through the second stop doesn't violate the statute. Correct. What's our, what's our standard review for that? It's a de novo. Who do we review and by what standard? Sure. We uh, review the district court's ruling, and it's a de novo review. However, here. Why is it de novo if, if, if the standard is reasonable? reasonableness for the officer and the so and the district and that's the question for the district court are you sure it's de novo what case would support that well my position would be that the court's interpretation of the statute was incorrect which then led to a misapplication so of the, the, facts. the ultimate conclusion of law is is perhaps renewed de novo but the finding as to whether or not uh, the uh, driver passed through would have to be uh, reviewed for clear error, wouldn't it? Correct. So the conclusion regarding the, the view that was available, mm -hmm. that is the factual finding that would be under the clearly erroneous standard. But yeah. even, even if statu I mean, statutory interpretation is typically de novo, but, but uh, up or down whether the statute was violated is not, does not answer the question. Correct. Correct, and but there has to have been an unreasonable, unreasonable objective belief by the officer that right. that statute wasn't violated, and we don't mm -hmm. review that. You're right. That, Correct. That's not a day no review. Correct. It's our contention that there is no reasonable misunderstanding. Well, I don't know. This this uh, this signage is actually appropriate under the National uh, Highway Traffic Safety Standards, uh, where uh, they say when you have off-centered uh, intersections, it's not possible to get both si uh, stop signs on the right side. You put one on the right, one on the left, and that place that that place placing of the signs is appropriate. Um, and you know the statute kind of says you got to stop at a stop sign. So if he rolls through the second stop sign, uh, how is it not a reasonable, at, at worst, a reasonable uh, uh, misunderstanding uh, of the law on the part of the, the officer if it's not a correct understanding? The, the plain language of the statute is one stop intersection, one stop, not one stop sign, 
one stop. In addition, the National Tra uh, Traffic Safety Administration information is not in the record. Um, however, it's not reasonable to conclude a misunderstanding of this statute here. Uh, we also have the sheriff from the area who says people drive through that second one all the time, essentially coming through Trooper Dowling's testimony. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be reasonable to conclude under South Dakota law and under that provision that you have to stop at every stop sign. However, the district court did not engage with that question, but instead turned to the view available from the first stop sign. That was the basis on which the district court found that it was reasonable for uh, Trooper Dowling or any reasonable officer to conclude that a violation had occurred. That conclusion says, Trooper Dowling had an objectively reasonable basis for concluding that Rutledge did not have a view of traffic approaching from the northwest when he stopped at the first stop sign. I believe that's clearly erroneous and objectively so when you look at that map and hypothetically, if a car stops at that first stop sign, it could also take a right-hand turn, which is greater than 90 degrees at this diagonal intersection. And in order to accomplish that maneuver, the full beyond 90 degree turn, they would have to have a view of oncoming traffic from the northwest from the first stop sign. Therefore, logically. You're just re-arguing facts, a fact argument you lost in the district court. Well, clear, clearly erroneous in this context? Good grief. How, how are we supposed to do that? Well, by reviewing this map and the logical conclusions that should be drawn, it would not be logical but to the, conclude. But the map doesn't show us elevations. It doesn't show us uh, the, really the lay of the land, and the photographs are, are, are not particularly helpful. Uh, the, uh, the judge hears all the testimony. You know, clearly erroneous is a, is a, is a high burden to get across. And so I don't think it's likely that, that, that your arguments can be very successful if you just say, uh, look at, the, look at the, 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 the diagram or look at the map. I mean, I think there's got to be more to it than that. We have to have, be left with, with, a, with like uh, uh, a sense that a, that a clear error has been made. Right. Well, and in addition, the video that the district court and the magistrate reviewed had obstructions that are not typically there and were not there. So the court's review of that uh, video that cannot zoom in like the human eye does. Mm -hmm. The camper is in the way. Any conclusion drawn from that evidence. I didn't argue that. I don't know. I say you. I don't know if you were trial counsel. That wasn't pointed out to the district court. I believe it was. Okay. That they said the that court, the court didn't think, didn't see a need to wait until to, to take a, another video. No, another video was not taken, and we are saying that objective the court, the court took your took your argument into account based on the testimony and its view of the video mm -hmm. and it was clear error to reject reject your interpretation of the map and your criticism of the video yes okay we got it yeah moreover it was nighttime any vehicle stopped at the first stop sign would have a clear view of oncoming headlights as well. The videos, the evidence didn't show that, which would be visible for miles. This is a flat area, and from the videos you can see that. This is the plains of South Dakota. It's essentially a flat area. Um, 
Moreover, we see that again in the trooper's video, the cam, you can see winter in the far distance. You can see for miles and miles. Subsequent to the reporting, there were several inconsistencies in the trooper's statements. Um, there is evidence that the trooper Dowling who observed the supposed violation reported that the car turned west. He also apparently also reported that the car turned east according to the recording of uh, Sergeant Lord. Um, given this information, his view was obstructed, admittedly, that his observations were not necessarily what actually transpired. Given the context the of this. The test. No. The test is his, his objective reasonableness. Right. And objectively, from his vantage point, we do not believe that he could reach that conclusion. Moreover, the subsequent stop was unnecessarily prolonged by what appeared on the video to be Sergeant Lord dragging his feet, taking his time, prolonging the... Now, your, your, your brief on that completely ignores the dog alert in arguing no probable cause. You, you, We're talking the about alert. the time prior to the dog alert. So you're, well, you, you ask us to address this off uh, this uh, off-topic questioning, we've addressed that in countless cases. I don't, right. what, are we, what are we supposed to do, overrule a prior? I know I've written once or twice about this kind of routine questioning in the context of a traffic stop, which is not always about, well, what about your taillight and so forth and so on. Sure. Sure. And what are we, what, is this an in-bank, are you preserving this in-bank or is there something I'm missing? What this is discussing is that in Rodriguez, the uh, discussion is that they cannot prolong the ticketing activity in order to accomplish the dog sniff. So it's clear error that, that didn't prolong? Correct. Correct. Given what we see on the video, if you watch the trooper's actions, he's prolonging and waiting for his accompanying officers to come. You know, and, and obviously there, there's, there is, you know, that, that's, that's a rather substantial line of cases that talk about you can't just slow walk the stop in order to right. uh, get the dog there. But there's some things that are being developed here according to the findings that have been made uh, that, that I think we need to consider, and that is, is that um, the occupants uh, appeared to be nervous, that they appeared to be tired, that there was a mini torch that was observed, all of which are kind of sort of, uh, building towards probable cause. So there's something more than just the sort of innocuous conversation about, you know, other uh, background stuff, where, where are you going, what are you doing, that kind of stuff. Uh, um, and, and it seems to me that, that the government's going to at least argue that probable cause is developing, and that means that the extension at any point, uh, given the short nature of it in its entirety, uh, that it was reasonable. So why isn't it reasonable? Well, here the observations of the officer were essentially innocuous. People were nervous. They did not perceive that they had committed any traffic violation, and yet they're being pulled over. They stopped at the stop sign, these sorts of things. A person's going to be upset. And you see that in the video. He says, uh, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but that's not what happened. I stopped. And at that time, Trooper Lord misunderstood what had actually transpired. In addition, um, it's 4.50 in the morning, 5 in the morning. You're going to be tired when you have been driving all night in the dark. 
Uh, finally, the torch, um, that is not necessarily indicative. As the trooper said, people have these. They have common uses. It doesn't necessarily indicate it. It's not reasonable or probable cause at that point. As, as the trooper testified, he didn't have probable cause until the dog sniffed. Mm -hmm. And so he was waiting until that developed, which this is why. Was, this was testimony to cross-exam at the hearing? Yes. Was he asked a probable cause or reasonable suspicion or Pro probable cause? Probable not cause. reasonable suspicion. Correct. They had a lot of suspicion before the car reached the intersection. The uh, court, I believe, magistrate judge asked these questions. Mm -hmm. And I see that my time is waning. We would also ask uh, that due to the uh, fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. On to my, my observation that there was a lot, of, a lot of suspicion before the car ever got there. That was separate from the stop that they had information. They had no particular... Well, we're talking, but we're talking about prolonging, and Judge Erickson is talking about the things other than just writing a ticket um, that, among other reasons, uh, uh, may, have, may have justified waiting for other officers to arrive. And the officers said that they had no particular information that this was a drug run. There were other mitigating facts that the phone jumped from South Dakota to Colorado. They had no specific information that they knew anything suspicious was going on. They had, they had information from a confidential informant that was confirmed, at least in part, by the car arriving at the intersection. They had no specific information that that day that there was going to be any transportation. Well, investigations are built piece by piece, and uh, the cumulative knowledge is is all relevant, right? You don't challenge that, I take it. Cumulative knowledge. The court's, the court's observation about cumulative knowledge. No, we don't challenge that on appeal. And we ask that we reserve our remaining time. Thank you. May it please the court, Mr. Berari. My name is Kevin Colliner. I'm with the U.S. Attorney's Office in South Dakota, uh, representing the government here. We are asking that the uh, order uh, denying the suppression uh, motion be affirmed in all respects. Your Honor, there was substantial testimony from the officer who saw uh, the rolling stop or the lack of stop at the second stop sign. Uh, he explained his vantage point. Within the government's brief, we've put in, I think it's government's exhibit three. Um, in that picture itself, there's a little blue box with an X on it, and he shows where he was parked. And I think that's important because uh, it's, it really explains kind of his vantage point and why he uh, could see both of these stop signs, but perhaps not where the driver turned. You know, much is made in the briefing that uh, the officer made a mistake about the direction uh, that this, this driver uh, went after the stop signs, but it does kind of make sense when you see the vantage point with respect to the farm equipment and so forth. The South Dakota 
traffic law, the stop sign place of stopping law at issue, um, no one disputes here is, is ambiguous on its terms. What it says is essentially you have to stop at a stop sign. It tells you where near a stop sign you have to stop. I would note that in the brief, the phrase that the appellant uses is stop signage, um, which to me indicates multiple signs. The statute itself says stop sign, and I think that's significant because uh, especially when we're talking about whether it was objectively unreasonable for the officer to believe that there was a violation here, I think it's a fair reading for an officer on the job to read this and think you got to stop at a stop sign. The other thing here is these stop signs, and it's not quite clear from some of the vantage points and some of the exhibits, they're 120 feet apart. Uh, there's a video that was submitted in a supplement uh, by the defense after the hearing that shows rolling up to these signs, and you can see very clearly there is a fair distance between. The first stop sign comes before uh, this kind of turnout dirt area where one would be turning right if coming from the south. Um, where is it in relation to the blue X? So the blue... it. The blue X is over, and are you seeing it, Your Honor? On the that's just before this this turnout. Where is the stop sign? The the stop sign. So the first stop sign. The first stop sign is before that that turnout heading. So the bottom of the page is south, top north, and so the officer is there positioned um, uh, there to the the west. I'm sorry, to the east of of the intersection. So. Uh, what I'm getting at is it's also a fair reading that there's sort of two intersections here. There's first the stop sign um, that indicates where someone turning to the right needs to stop before heading into that turnout. Um, and then there's also the stop sign where someone heading to the left or heading north intersects with the highway itself. Um, I just note that because when I look at this, I think that's the reason those signs were placed there, uh, that, that they wanted someone to stop before uh, starting into that turnout area. Everyone also agrees that this is a confusing configuration of stop signs, and I think what we mean by that is it's not the norm. That doesn't mean that the statute itself uh, is ambiguous. I think it's just as applied to this situation it at least creates some confusion about um, where you would need to, uh, to stop. And, and the question for the court is whether it's uh, unreasonable objectively for this officer to believe that there should have been two stops here. Credibility questions of the officer, whether a stop actually happened, of course, virtually unreviewable on appeal. Um, there's some some argument made in the briefing that there was all sorts of pressures put to bear under the circumstances on this officer. There was testimony about that from uh, several directions, both from his supervisor, from the officer himself. Uh, both of those officers confirming, no, there was no pressure. If there hadn't been a traffic stop, reasonable su uh, suspicion for a traffic stop, no stop would have happened that night. Mr. Rutledge would have went on his way and all the officers would have gone home. Um, so there really is no evidence that, that there was a, a motive to fabricate here uh, or enter any sort of uh, reason that this officer was pressured to lie. Um, so uh, next question is about the stop. It doesn't Wren take care of any issue there? 
Yes. Officers are not... Re People keep refighting Wren, but it continues right. to be the law of the land. Right, right. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah. Um, and Hine, I mean, officers aren't required to be perfect also. They're required to be reasonable. Um, so now, you know, as, as Rutledge proceeds north, there's been a mistake that's made. Um, the officer tells the, dis the other folks on dispatch he went one direction. He ended, ended up going north. Well, when you read the testimony, they've got officers stationed, uh, one off in the direction that, that they were told he was heading, and then one up to the north. So the officer to the north says, well, he's not coming my way. He starts heading south. Then he learns from the other officer, I'm not seeing him coming my way. And that's, all, that's Sergeant Lord. Is this anything other than a part of the credibility question? No, it's not, Your Honor. Um, so Officer Lord sees, you know, passes by a white van um, and figures, well, if he's not going the direction he thought he was going, uh, that must have been the white van that I passed. It's all perfectly reasonable under the circumstances, 4.30 in the morning, rural South Dakota roads, not seeing any other cars, uh, that Sergeant Lord knew that this was the right uh, vehicle to stop, and that's why the stop took place, you know, roughly uh, 10 to 14 miles past the town of Cologne. Now we get to the stop itself. Uh, was it unreasonable in length? Was it unreasonably prolonged? The testimony of, uh, of Sergeant Lord confirmed... Ten minutes till the dog arrived, right? Right, roughly eight minutes after uh, uh, Mr. Rutledge. The, was the dog in a car that was part of the, the team that was conducting the overall what was going on yeah spread out about That's why it was so close yeah so close uh, but you know within a 15 mile radius or so uh, the number of six different officers I don't think I've ever had a, a uh, since the Supreme Court taught us what <laughs> delay you can't delay for a dog I don't think I've ever seen a delay as short as 10 minutes well and a of course, arguing cases dealing with stops in rural South Dakota, this is rare for me too, in the sense that, you know, we're often up here talking about sometimes hours, you know, that it took to get an officer on scene. But eight minutes after he's in the car, the dog is sniffing um, on the back of this van. Um, the testimony from Sergeant Lord is that he was still in the midst of completing the warning ticket process. He hadn't finished uh, the process, and he explains why that is. Uh, you know, one would think, well, it should be pretty quick to complete the process. Well, he gets the driver's license. The driver's license matches up to South Dakota Records that has an address, and he confirms a different address. So he even testifies, well, I had to go in and I had to update the address information. That's why he's tapping away on his uh, laptop. Uh, he then has to, to put in the vehicle information. He has to put in the VIN, he says. It's a Florida rental car, so that takes some time. There's conversation uh, between the two, you know, the, of course, the where are you going, uh, what are you doing stuff, but there's also conversation initiated by Mr. Rutledge. At one point he says, you know, aren't you the officer that stopped me once before? They have a back and forth about that. A few questions asked, uh, eight minutes, there's the, there's the time. So there really isn't any evidence here for the court to find that this was an unreasonably prolonged stop before the dog uh, uh, the dog sniff happened. If the court finds that, then we get into the question of whether there were uh, probable cause facts sufficient to uh, extend the stop. 
And, you know, the government isn't contending that any of these facts in isolation would lead to probable cause. There's a red, you know, mini-torch, and the, the officer testifies, you know, he's been an officer doing drug uh, interdiction cases for 20-some years, and he said, you know, it's a red mini-torch. It's different than a regular lighter, not the sort of thing, for instance, I'm paraphrasing his testimony. He didn't say this exactly. Not the sort of thing someone would use to light a cigarette, right? It's a torch. Um, he says, you know, when I see that, it's usually uh, drugs. There's evasiveness in the answers. Um, passenger gave a false name um, and birth date. Um, he said that Rutledge went from being tired to being on heightened alert once the canine was mentioned. Um, and the other part, and I think this goes to Your Honor's question, uh, Judge Loken, um, about the probable cause that was developing is he also testified he knew about the background of the uh, drug investigation, and each of these facts are confirming things, are corroborating things uh, from that investigation. Use of a rental car, uh, going on these long drives from Colorado to South Dakota in the middle of the night. I agree with opposing counsel uh, that 4.50 a.m., if you pull someone over, they might be tired if they've been driving all night. Um, but why are you driving all night, right, in a rental car in rural South Dakota going on this route um, that um, is a, a, the very sort of route that one would expect if he was doing the very sort of things that the drug investigation uh, led the officers to believe he would be doing. So Certainly legitimate reasons for people to be driving overnight. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and the same with the mini-torch. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you know, uh, cigar aficionados use mini torches all the time because it's hard to get an even flame to a cigar, right? Yeah. So, I mean, no um, question, Your Honor. No question that each of these things in isolation, we in the brief said, look, the, the passenger and the driver gave different uh, answers to where they were heading. Uh, I dropped a footnote in the brief explaining, look, we're not claiming that that's so wildly out of line. One said Lower Brule, one said Chamberlain. They're about 25 miles apart. Fair responses. Um, but all these facts taken uh, together, along with the information about the developing drug, drug uh, investigation, uh, led to additional uh, probable cause at that point, at least reasonable suspicion leading to probable cause at that point. Um, so for those reasons, we, uh, we don't believe that there was you know, any violations here. And because of that, there was no uh, poisonous tree from which fruit could grow for uh, the, the Miranda uh, argument here. Um, I have about three minutes left on the clock. If the court has any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Otherwise, I'll take my chair. Thank you, Yars. Thank you. Um, I'd just like to touch on a few points. The statute itself is not ambiguous. This is not like high-end where there was another statute that created confusion. This is one stop at the stop intersection explicitly by the language. In addition, the first stop sign has flashing lights on it, uh, which you can see in the videos provided by the government. The second one does not. At night, that is the most illuminated stop sign that is demanding a stop. At night, it's unreasonable to conclude that a person who stops at the flashing stop sign then proceeds slowly through the intersection and continues on has violated the law. That's an unreasonable conclusion. Uh, also, the passenger-driver distinctions, 
Sergeant Lord didn't have that information at the operative time. And I see my time has expired. Thank you. Thank you.